mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to the 25th of July edition of Telling Everybody Everything. How fun. It's midsummer. The heat wave has cracked and there's a beautiful London thunderstorm tonight. Rare. Rare. We used to get crazy storm cycles all the time where I'm from in Canada. But here it's just kind of like measly rain. Never a full-blown violent thunderstorm. So I like it. Thank you, climate change. No, I don't think thunderstorms are climate. Who, Who fucking knows? Anyway, we had a great weekend. We went to Latitude Festival as a family yesterday. Shout out Festival Republic for making it the greatest dressing room experience of all time. They've got these little huts now. And Kirsty, who's always nice to us and who actually got my daughter backstage to see Billie Eilish at Leeds Festival, always working overtime for her artists. Um, Kirsty got our dressing room like packed with all these snacks and wine and drinks and little Latitude pink sheep gifts for the kids and coloring books. I mean, it was just so special and it made me feel like pure shit for not having better material. So if you came out to Latitude Festival and you didn't love my set, you know, you didn't show it, you did not show it. Latitude audiences are the best in the world. Comedians always say like how nice you guys are. But this time I think you really had to put a shift in because I've got all this new material that I'm not sure what to do with. And so I thought I would treat you to some of it treat is it a trick or is it a treat I tried my best and I didn't cry because do you know what I felt very emotional about being with that many people again and I don't mean being on stage in front of that many people I mean just being at a place where everyone was either you know COVID tested or vaccinated or whatever the plan was I was tested being in a place where um it really seemed like normal And Latitude's outdoors, all of it, um, or intense, which I think counts as outdoors as far as any London patio is concerned. But um, I just think people felt safe and enjoyed the type of freedom that Brittany will only experience if she gets lucky and her dad dies of a massive heart attack soon. I loved it. I loved being there. Thank you, Jen, for my outfit. It's one of those outfits that I think, I don't know, I'll put pictures on my social media as soon as I get it because this jacket was out of this world so beautiful but I think from stage I kind of looked like a country singer like a fat country singer well is there any other kind I just looked not my best but you know I was distracted because the family came Fred came and it's the furthest that Fred has been from home and today's his six-week birthday and um, he's been a little bit squirrely just a little not himself he was a really easy baby for so long and then I know they grow and they get fussier or they change, they get more hungry or more tired or whatever. But over the last kind of week or two weeks, Fred has started just sleeping an hour and then eating and then not really settling and sleeping maybe an hour and then eating and not really settling. So that means that I don't sleep if he doesn't sleep. And I wasn't sure what was going on. And then a really good friend sent me the number of a lactation consultant. If you have a baby and you think you're doing everything right with regards to breastfeeding, there's probably something that you could be doing better because this lactation consultant, she was the tits. <laughs> I was going to say the bee's knees and then I was like, say it, Catherine, do the pun. She was the tits. She was like, oh, how was breastfeeding with your daughter 12 years ago? I was like, great. I breastfed her till she was two. Everything went fine. She was like, really? So Violet ate 
a lot and then slept for four hours after feeding and then would eat again. And I was like, oh, hell no. Violet screamed the house down every night for three months. And the woman was like, well, you know, that was a breastfeeding issue. And sometimes it'll be something with, you know, your body, how it's responding like your breasts. Other times it's something with the baby. When you have loads of milk and you have milk to give, but the baby's not full and the baby's not settling, then it's something, she said. It's reflux or it's colic or it's something because this woman reckons, and by the way, she's a complete expert. She says, I have 35 years experience. And no one's really said years to me like that in a while. Um, It seemed really posh. I deferred immediately to her like any white trash is supposed to do in the presence of yours. And she said, babies will not be greedy. So if you think you're overfeeding your infant, according to her, you're not. Whatever the midwives say, they need like 60 mils, 70, forget it. She says babies need a lot more than that. And if they're still feeding or they're not, you know, totally relaxed and sleeping for four hours, then they're still hungry. And I was like, I don't know. I think we're overfeeding Fred because he does puke sometimes. And she was like, no, you're not overfeeding him. Just show me. So I had to breastfeed on FaceTime. That was hot. And um, then immediately it just, Fred is such a performer already. He got the hiccups and he puked. And she was like, okay, well, he just puked with such force and uh, got the hiccups right away. He has reflux. And she's like, you can go confirm this with a pediatrician, which I'm about to do next week. But she was like, in the meantime... See if you can talk to a GP, get a prescription for infant Gaviscon. And I did that. And holy shit, blow me down. It's like night and day. Fred is sleepy now and he's like happy after feeds and he can drink a lot more. He really was hungrier than, you know, we thought he was. He was pulling away from the nipple or from the bottle. But that was because he had reflux, not because he was full. Poor little thing. So now that's pretty much fixed. And like any time I talk about anything medical, hashtag HPV, people come at me in the emails and they're like, Catherine, I work for the NHS and you didn't actually give the full story. And don't tell people to use silver nipple covers because they can get soggy nips from doing that and their nips can fall off. Don't tell people to give their babies infant Gaviscon because actually blah, blah, blah. Look, there are 101 answers. And sometimes we'll never really find the true answer. But telling everybody everything is about me communicating my experience to you. So if you are a new parent and your baby is fussy and not sleeping for apparently four hour stretches in a row, according to this amazing woman, then you should talk to your GP and see if there's something else like that can be tweaked. A little reflux. Jeez. Then I got a clogged nipple. Don't get me started on the clogged nipple. I don't know how the hell it happened. Long story short, I had to sterilize a needle and stick it in my nip. It's called Milk Blister. He had a poor latch on the right side. That is now solved. Don't write me an email. Don't you goddamn dare write me an email about lupus or celiac either. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You would not believe how embarrassed I was with the pediatrician. So while I'm on FaceTime with this lactation consultant and she tells me, well, Fred has reflux, obviously. He started freaking out again. I mean, he had just thrown up. That's really scary for the parent. It's probably scary for the baby. And he's hungry all over again, but now he's just wasted the milk. And he was really, really angry. Usually all my attention's on him. But for this FaceTime, I was paying attention to the lady and she was telling me loads of things. I don't know why she kept talking to me, by the way. She's telling me like the history of breastfeeding. My son's freaking out. I was like, "Um, slow down. I'm not listening to you at all. So eventually I had to get off the phone. I was like, do you know what? Thank you for your time. Let's pick this back up. As you can see, my son's having a meltdown. Goodbye. End the call. And then I got right on the phone to the pediatrician because it was a Thursday and our appointment is for next Thursday. He's only in the office on Thursdays. And I had a hell of a time making this appointment because I found a private pediatrician in my neighborhood. I don't want to go all the way to Harley Street all the time for, you know, the team that was with the hospital where he was delivered and my doctor's there. Fred doesn't like being in the car. So I thought, well, I can get a local person. I found this really well-reviewed pediatrician and I rang his secretary's. And they just, it was like the first day with a new computer. They're like, what? What is your name? Taking all these details. Oh, you can't come Thursday? What? You can't come the Thursday after that? Why not? Like every mother just sits at home on every Thursday waiting to go to the doctor's office. I was like, I'm developing an Amazon show, bitch. Like I'm very busy. Um, So finally we get this appointment booked and it was really difficult for some reason. You know, some admin is just difficult. She's like, tell me one number at a time, your NHS number. 
So fine. So I call this pediatrician back and I try to get the Thursday appointment immediately. There's only 30 minutes left in the day, but I thought, okay, well, maybe we can move it up a week. I can just talk to him over the phone, maybe get this Gaviscon prescription because I didn't want Fred to be crying for a whole extra week if he didn't have to. So I ring and the woman can hear Fred absolutely losing it. And I was like, hello, my baby is very sad. I need infant Gaviscon. Can I please get a phone prescription from the doctor? Can I do something? And she was like, well, I'm going to need to take your details. I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. So I start giving the details. Fred's screaming. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I was like, yeah, my baby's distressed. That's that noise that you're hearing. It's not, you know, an app of like baby screaming white noise that I've decided to like fire up on my laptop please, can I just like, can you help me today or not is what I wanted to know. She's taking my details. She's taking my details. It's taking forever. And I said, listen, we have an appointment next week. I just want to know if I can speak to the doctor today. Because I think they have a duty of care. It's irresponsible just to give you a prescription and never see you again. I wanted this woman to know I will see you in one week. I just need Gaviscon between now and then, please. My baby's like, you would think that a private doctor has like the time and money to help you with something like that. Sorry, I really feel like if you're paying for a service, a company should go a little bit out of their way to accommodate you. That's privilege. That's what privilege is all about. It's like the fucking definition of it, right? Wrong. So she goes, you don't have an appointment next week. Fred in the background, like literally in my arms screaming down the receiver. Like I do have an appointment next week. She's like, no, you don't. Like genuinely standoffish, quite rude, actually. And I was like, I do. She goes, spell your last name. I was like, ha, ah, R-Y-A-N. She's like, what's the baby's first name? I was like, Fred. She's like, Red. I was like, no, he's not called Red. She's like, Brad. I was like, no, he's not just kicked off Love Island. You don't have an appointment, ma'am. I'm sorry, you don't have an appointment. And I was like, listen, I have a confirmation number. I spoke to this person. Here's my patient ID. So she's like, what? There's an appointment under this patient ID, but it's the different name. And I was like, well, that, ma'am, is respectfully not my fucking problem. Like, I don't know who books your system and I had a terrible time booking it in the beginning. Whatever your girl, your colleague wrote down, not my problem. I'll see you next week. Can you help me today? She's like, no, we don't have any appointments for today. I was like, all right. She's like, well, don't get off the phone. What is your name? I was like, forget it. And I got, you know, I'm never, ever rude to like reception people or customer service people, but I got as spicy as I could get. I was just like, well, you're going to have to solve your internal problem with booking, taking, and I have to go because clearly you can hear my child is distressed. (laughs) And then Bobby came home. Um, I had called a private doctor from this amazing company, Doctor Call. They came right to the house again privilege I'm sorry but this is what I did and they wrote Fred the prescription and like boom instantly he's fixed like better already that night put the Gaviscon in his first feed solved and I'm talking to Bobby all night like wow I had such a day with Fred he really flipped out I was calling his pediatrician these idiots did not think he even had a booking I don't know what we're gonna do I'm gonna have to calm down and call them tomorrow and like reiterate that we have a booking next week and I'm telling Bobby this story. I'm telling Bobby this story. I'm spelling my name R-Y-A. And Bobby's like, Fred's name is Fred Kutstra. I was like, oh, no. So the booking era was mine all along. What a dickhead. You know, when you feel like that, like dickhead, when you've treated someone unfairly and it was you the whole time. What am I going to say to this woman? I don't have to show my face next Thursday and be like, hi. When I was speaking to you, I was very stressed because my son was screaming in my ear. I had puke running down my tits. Yes, it was a regular Thursday evening and I am a feminist. And so my instinct was to spell my surname, forgetting that I have given my son my husband's surname. I apologize. You were right. I was wrong. That conversation is going to have to happen. Maybe I should send flowers. Hmm. You know what I've been sending lately is cookies from Creme London, C-R-E-M-E London. They're these big cookies. And in this country, I know biscuits have like a snap. Biscuits are trash. Cookies are like thick and delicious, almost like a cake. Creme London, they deliver these bang, bang cookies in a pink box. I think that's better than flowers. I really do. Chocolate covered um, strawberries is another one I've been doing. I forget what that company's called. Edible, Edible bouquets or something? I don't know cookies maybe for this bitch oh god but i think 
Okay, so you know we're all familiar with postpartum depression. It's very common. I think up to 20% of moms or maybe one in eight. I don't know if one in eight is 20%. Wait, if two in 10 is 20%, then like one in five is 20%. One in eight is less than 20%. Yeah, GCSE, you know me. Um, Postpartum depression is something that affects a lot of people during the fourth trimester. A baby's born, sometimes you just get a little touch of the baby blues, but other times you have dark thoughts. You want to potentially hurt yourself or hurt the baby or you just can't take it. That is something that you should go and speak to someone about immediately. They will never judge you. Your GP, your health visitor, your midwife, they've heard it all before. You have to tell them exactly the truth about how you're feeling. If you're crying all day, they can fix you. They can help. It's like a chemical thing and you should never stay in that space feeling that way. I don't want to diminish postpartum depression, but I do have something that I feel is similar and is not as recognized by the medical community. And weirdly, you're going to judge me for it probably more harshly than you would if I told you that I wanted to hurt the baby. I hate the cat. I fucking hate our cat, Sarah Pascoe. He is an absolute piece of garbage to me since Fred was born. And I never loved the cat. I I like respect the cat. I think it's a beautiful cat, an enormous furry stain on my existence because I'm always having to hoover. The dogs don't shed. This cat does. The cat has never ever cleared a mouse or any kind of vermin out of the house, but on occasion the cat will bring mice and birds into the house. So it's like doing a reverse of what its job should be as a cat. However, it's a very loving cat, not one of these assholes that hisses at anyone that comes over. The cat is socialized like a dog. I have respect for her for for that. She did go missing a few years ago for an entire week. I think she was locked in someone's garden shed, fell asleep in there. They locked it up. They opened it up again the next Sunday and out she came and she was in a terrible state. She was really hungry. Luckily, she's super fat, so it wasn't going to hurt her. But I think like she either bit her own stomach out of hunger or like impaled it on something. She had a wound in her stomach. And again, I got a private vet privilege to come to the house and give her some morphine and a saline solution for the wound until we could get her in for surgery the next day. That was a terrible day. Like the cat was hurt and I was beside myself with grief and concern for this cat and she's healed and everything and I don't want to hurt her but I kind of just hate her I hate her I just wish she would spend her days outside she's always in the house just sprawled all over everything since Fred's born I just think of her as this like fuzzy snake that slithers around my home offering nothing useful to the family And she started to be naughty as well. Like the cat always used to be house trained to go outside like the dogs do. But then she went in the house a few times and we're like, excuse me, because I for one refuse to live in an animal's toilet. Luckily, this cat has never peed in my house. Touch wood, because then you just have to move. But she has pooped in the house a few times and she pukes all the time. And uh, we got her a litter box because it was like a standoff, you know, we're like, fine, then you I guess you go in the house and she uses the litter box. And she's good like that, but I mean, she still pukes every once in a while and she is disgusting. She's disgusting and the dogs are interested in the litter box and it's Violet's job to clean the litter box and it doesn't always happen unless she's asked. And I just hate the cat. And Bobby feels the same way. I hate to throw him under the bus, but I don't know how to stop these feelings because people come to the house and they go, oh, what a beautiful cat. And I go, take her with you, please. And I'm not kidding. And Violet would be so grief-stricken if we ever got rid of the cat. And I think the cat would probably just find her way home anyway. And I know, I don't want anything to make the cat sad. I just wish the cat would get the message and live in the garden. I have a big, beautiful garden. It's warm outside. Even if the cat spent a bit more of the day in the garden, but she doesn't. And, and Jen comes over with outfits for different jobs. And we use kind of Bobby's little games room with the pool table to lay all the outfits out. We hang some up, but we lay some on the pool table. And the cat comes and lays on the outfits. And it's like, oh, my God. Or like the cat wants to lay on Fred's things. And I've seen Lady and the Tramp. You know, when those two cats are like, we are Siamese, if you please. Doon, 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 doon. And they just 
want to get the baby's milk. When you hear a baby, there is milk nearby to do, 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 you know, and they're like evil. And I'm just so worried about the cat somehow getting to Fred. He smells like milk. He's warm. I don't want her to lay on him. I just fucking hate the cat. And I can't say that to my health visitor. She comes around. How are you doing? How's your torn ass? Oh, well, everything's going great, but I'm having some dark thoughts about the cat. How do you say that? How do you like take up a health visitor's time with that nonsense? I don't want to get rid of the cat. I mean, I, I don't want the cat to die. I don't want to get rid of the cat. I just wish that there was a magic way that the cat could be like self-cleaning. Like if I shaved the cat, that would even help tremendously. I think you can take them to the vet and they're sedated and they're shaved. I mean, I don't think the cat would like that though. So again, that is like one tick in the box of distressing the cat. I don't want to do that. But I'm not even as warm towards the dogs as I used to be. And a lot of people have asked, how are the dogs coping with new baby Fred in the house? Fine, but I don't want them on the bed and I certainly don't want them on the pillows. And Manny's not my specialist boy anymore. Now that's Fred. And we have less time for them. But all of a sudden, just everything seems dirty to me. Every animal in my house seems like a filthy trash bag of like mites from the garden and scum and fox germs. I never used to feel that way about them. So... I feel badly admitting it. And I know like you should judge me more harshly. It's crazy that you're like, yes, baby blues exist and people have dark thoughts about themselves and their babies and they need help. But if you hate your cat, all of a sudden you're a nightmare. Please give me the sympathy that you would give to someone who had any type of dark feelings following the birth of their child and email me at tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com with ideas about how I can stop having these hostile feelings towards what is essentially an innocent cat. But I would also need her to stop puking in the landing for that to happen. So mixed advice here. I'm looking for ways to stop cats puking on the landing and ways to stop cats sitting on Jen's fashions and ways to love your cat again or all your animals following the birth of a baby. Let's take a break now so that you can silently judge me while we listen to these messages from our sponsors. 50 off your first card at moonpig.com. I watched Ashley Gee's This Way Up, her amazing series on Channel 4, starring Sharon Horgan as well. If you've seen series one, I'm sure you loved it. Series two is even better. Getting rave reviews. It's so amazing. But she's my really good friend. You know, Ashley Gee, the stand up, um, of course, you know and love her work. But we're close in real life. And in episode one, I had to see a scene where she got fingered. And I'm tired of it. I'm t- I saw Mae Martin have sex in Feel Good. I saw Roisin Kennedy have sex in Game Face. I am pretty sure I have seen Sarah Pascoe have sex on screen. And I wrote a sex scene in The Duchess. And none of that should be happening. I'm sorry. I've had enough. And I blame Lena Dunham because she was naked on Girls. And we loved that. And I blame Fleabag because we saw her have sex as well. And I don't know why. All the funny women that I love so much are, are writing sex scenes for themselves now. And I, I, I'm too vanilla for it. I don't want to see it. I wasn't ready to watch Ashling get fingered. Ashling, I was not ready to watch you get fingered. I know I saw you have sex in a bra, series one, but this fingering was a lot for me. And I need, I need my friends to stop. And then I regret writing a sex scene for myself too. And I have to apologize that I'm just not there emotionally. I'm too immature. I hate it. And it's part of the story. I get it. We're like sexual beings. It has to be in there. And I have zero criticisms of any of the aforementioned work. And I love series two of This Way Up. It is a masterpiece. But no more. I think there's um, like a website 
does the dog die? And you can check before you watch a film if the dog dies. I need a website that's like, do any of my friends get fingered in this? Because I'm friends with too many people who are in films and TV. And um, it's just really jarring when I have to see them have sex. And I want it to stop. I'm going to start that website. I could do it at like godaddy.com. I'm going to do that. And then if you want to avoid seeing any of your friends naked, I'm going to make a search engine. I'm going to build a search engine to do that. Okay, let's dive straight into the emails. Here's one. My best friend is COVID anti-vaxxer. Catherine, let me tell you about my closest friend of the last five years. He's the kindest person I know. Anytime I've needed his help, he's always been there for me. I lived with him when I didn't have a place to go. And I even ended up moving a few houses down from him since then. We're together so often. He's great. Though, with the vaccine rollout here in Canada, he's expressed that he doesn't want to get the vaccine because he doesn't trust what's in it, and he's formed opinions that stem from social media rather than medical professionals. I understand that there are people who can't get the vaccine for whatever reason, but he is not one of those people. He doesn't want to get it. I personally feel like we should play our part in putting an end to this pandemic. To me, if you're eligible to receive the vaccine but choose not to do it, it's a bit selfish. It puts us one step back from reaching herd immunity and having things go back to normal. I understand that there are concerns about side effects and stuff, but that's something you and your doctor should determine, not Carol from Facebook, who's part of an MLM. I find myself really frustrated with his views on this because while he's had such a positive impact on my life, I can't justify thinking the way he does about this, and neither can he really. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to pretend to know things that a medical professional does. So when the entire medical community is advocating to get this vaccine, it seems really silly for me to go against that. At what point are we policing people's bodies versus putting the public health first? Do you think this is worth losing a friendship over? On the one hand, I'm willing to just not talk about it, but it's going to affect the things we do together in the future. So many venues require proof of vaccination. Traveling will be an issue. It's going to cause problems down the line for sure. What do you think I should do? Well, what strikes me right away is that when you started talking about your friend, you're saying he's the kindest person I know. He gave me a place to live when I have nowhere to go. Does that sound like a selfish person to you? I think it's very weird that all the COVID messaging is attached to a virtue. Like if you care about other people, you'll get the vaccine, be a good person and follow the rules. It's like, here's what he thinks of you right now, potentially. He thinks, dear Catherine, I'm really sad about so many of my friends who are following what is an unprecedented social experiment, potentially. That's how a lot of people view it. I I worry that because my friend won't stand up to the vaccine rollout, that, you know, the government and the whomever are just going to control us forever and make us bend to their will. I've seen so many businesses close. Why doesn't my friend, why doesn't she care about those families? I've seen a lot of um, freedoms be taken away. And if we don't stand up now, then this is a dangerous precedent for our children. Vaccine passports worry me. Uh, we won't be able to go to venues. We won't be able to travel together if she doesn't stand up and say no to the vaccine. Why is she trusting medical professionals when medical professionals, just like a waitress or a truck driver or a teacher, can be wrong sometimes? They can be misled. Um, data can be manipulated um, medical professionals, doctors killed more people than they saved until like, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. So, I mean, I don't think they're these delicate geniuses that we should trust at all costs. And maybe your friend doesn't think so either. Look, I don't have any criticisms about the vaccine, but if I did, I wouldn't be stupid enough to say it because in this day and age, we're divided so passionately on this issue and people fight, and people virtue signal, and people say, I've done my research, and people like lose friendships over it. And if you dare to ask one question about lockdown or the vaccine or the passports, then you're like in big trouble with your closest friends. Like this guy gave you a place to go when you had nowhere else to go. And you're like, I might not be friends with him now because maybe we can't go to venues together. Like I kind of think you're being a dick. 
we don't know. Yeah, medical professionals are saying you should get the vaccine, fine. But like, it's unprecedented. We've never been forced to get any other vaccine, like polio kills and measles kills. And I know we we uh, ridicule parents who won't vaccinate their children um, because they think it causes autism or whatever. I know like we ridicule them. By we, I mean the general public on social media. I think that's the meanest thing ever because whether these people are right or wrong, these anti-vaxxers, they believe that their precious baby was totally healthy one day and was vaccinated and then became ill or otherwise impaired the next day by the vaccination. This is what parents believe, whether they're right or wrong. They've been traumatized and the, and we ridicule them like fucking stupid anti-vaxxers, dumbass. Da, na, na, na. I just think it's such a nuanced and complicated conversation. And I don't blame people who have questions about the vaccine because a lot of the information on both sides is coming from social media and is coming from governments who've lied to us countless times before. So why would they be telling the truth now? It's so weird to just assume that someone who's anti-vax is like selfish and stupid. You know, that's the same thing that happened with the elections in 2016. It's like, well, if you support Trump, you're selfish and stupid. And then we just got further divided. And there are a lot of people who didn't want to vote for a Clinton administration for nuanced reasons, you know? They didn't totally agree with Trump either, but they were like anti-establishment. I don't know. It's always more complicated than what it looks like. And it's never a case of like, well, this group is smart and this group is stupid and selfish. Like, this is just bananas. And I don't know what the answer is, but I think you know that this friend of yours is a nice person and... I think it's mean that you don't want to be his friend. Moving right along, Catherine, am I a fraud? Catherine, I'm a 34-year-old pansexual cisgendered man. However, I've never been with a man, nor do I feel any attraction to any particular men around me. Generally, I find men to be dull and uninteresting. It's difficult to connect with them or just to chat about anything out of the ordinary. I'd like to say I'm pansexual because gender per se is not relevant to me. I just tend to dislike the sort of mind that often comes attached to the male gender. Am I a pansexual fraud? Is this what being straight is like? Not necessarily being attracted to a particular gender, but merely disliking the other gender? Perhaps I just need to find my Bobby K. Lots of love for all the family. I love this letter. Yeah, this is what being straight is like. Yes, 100%. A lot of women that I know are not particularly attracted to any men around them, and they find a lot of men to be dull and uninteresting and difficult to connect with. I'm sure a lot of men feel the same about women, especially older rich men who date like 21-year-old Instagram models. I knew this guy who would only date like young, hot women, and you know how I feel about men like that. But he had to stop because he was like, do you know what? They're so rude on dates, and they just text, and they're just on their phones the whole time. And taking pictures of themselves and I just find them so boring they're so hot though but I think they're so boring and I hate them <laughs> and I was like yeah because you're a bastard find a woman your own age um yeah a lot of us are not attracted to the people around us the fact that you've never been with a man is I think maybe you're around an unusually dull group of men because by now you think you would have found a really cool one. There are lots of great men out there that you might fancy. Um, yeah, I think luckily being pansexual, you are attracted to like all genders. Gender's not relevant to you. So you've got um, the sense of like sexual energy and touch and stuff from other genders and just men hasn't haven't come into the play yet and that's cool but I think those of us who are only attracted to one gender we've just had to make do with like dull people sometimes that we sort of make mistakes with or we sort of fancy but we find them dull and then you all of a sudden meet the one for you who's not dull so yeah like to answer your question yeah I really think this is what being straight is like um not being particularly attracted to one gender, but just disliking the other. <laughs> it's not that I dislike women. It's I love women, obviously, but I'm not sexually attracted to them. Or in my experience, I haven't been sexually attracted to them. Um, 
and I have been attracted to men. So yeah, I guess like that's my definition of my straightness anyway. And a lot of them are dull, but you hang in there. And I mean, these are your observations about men, not mine. I love when you said, I don't like the mind that often comes attached to the male gender. <laughs> your mind is cool though. And you're a cisgendered man, according to you. So like, there you go. You're going to find an awesome man just like you one day. You watch. Hey, if the background noise sounds a little bit different, I've had to move to a different part of the house because of Fred. Apologies, but actually Bobby and I are both getting massages tonight because we're old and our backs hurt because we form like cocoons around Fred to hold him in front of us and we do not have the correct posture. So we're just taking turns with Fred. Fred's with me right now. Hi, Fred. Hello. Okay. The next email, Catherine, I feel like I'm at a crossroads with my life and I would like some advice. I'm 25 and currently working at AstraZeneca. Oh God. Look, my answer to the vaccine question from before on the walk up the stairs to this room and the brief break that I have taken is I feel badly because if you want to know, yes, I think the vaccine is safe and I trust the medical professionals on this. And I think you probably should get the vaccine, but on measure, I just, I find it very worrying that everyone will eventually be forced to take it and people are losing friendships over it. And I don't like the idea that we're manipulated constantly, whether it be elections or BLM or trans rights or now the vaccine, we're constantly manipulated to be divided down the middle and like at war with each other that's what i hate that is the bit that i hate so it's not about the vaccine but it's more it was more my reaction was you ditching a friendship and calling this guy selfish when he has clearly demonstrated he's not a selfish friend he let you stay at his house i would never let anyone stay at my house why do you think i'm looking after my baby all by myself i'm rich i could afford a nanny a night nurse but no because they would have to live in my house I'm not as selfless as this guy who's your friend. Anyhow, okay, this 25-year-old works at AstraZeneca. To get where I am, I've completed a bachelor's and master's degree, so I'm in a fair amount of student debt. Fucking too right. You need to get a part-time job at Hooters. What? You can have a master's degree by the time you're 25? Holy shit. My problem is that I'm starting to realize this field isn't my passion, and I don't really feel connected to the work I'm doing in a way that my colleagues and peers do. I'm starting to realize that working in this field was something I never really wanted to do, but I was encouraged by my mom, who also works here. I was always a bit too scared to say to her that's not what I wanted to do for fear of letting her down. At this point, it's the only work I've ever done, aside from retail and hospitality, but that's moot. And so it's very much my comfort zone. My dream would be to work in a creative field, and I find myself drawn to floristry. However, changing to this field would mean going back to studying part-time and working part-time, which is not offered by AstraZeneca, so I'd have to quit my job. Yeah, they're probably not going to pay you to train to quit and do something else. I hate to think of all those years in higher education and debt wasted, and I know I'd have a good career in the sciences, but can I spend the rest of my life working in a field I have no passion for, or is that just part of working life? Do I leave my current job and be skint for who knows how long to pursue a career in a more creative field? Or do I stay in science where I'm established and will probably make more money? I wanted to talk to my mom about this, but I'm very nervous. So instead, I'm asking the nation's MILF for help. Thank you for pulling MILF out at the very end. Gosh, you don't belong in science at all. You're spicy. You have a sense of humor. You say words like MILF. Um, oh my God, science community, do not write me and be like, we're funny too. I'm kidding. Um... Leave your job, obviously. Leave your job. What the fuck? You're 25 and you're worried about having wasted all those years? You're a fetus. I know that you're in debt. And I know that it's scary to embark upon something new. But what's scarier is the idea that you could spend the next 50 years working in a field that you hate. And then you're going to die. So you have a responsibility to yourself. Like, let's say you're driving a car and you have a destination and you realize, oh, I'm going down the wrong road. What the fuck? I've added like two hours to my journey. I've been going down this road for so long. I didn't realize. Are you going to turn around and be like, well, got to get to my destination somehow? Or are you just going to keep driving down that road until you drive off a cliff? It doesn't make any sense to me. But then I'm someone who works in the creative arts. I may be someone who takes chances and I personally don't give a shit what my parents think. 
by the way, my parents are supportive. Do you know what? Let's call my mom because she works in a field that she hates and she's uh, got an irrational fear of poverty. So I think she could really help you out. I just hope that it doesn't disturb Fred because he's kind of sleepy right now. Voice call, Julie McCarthy. I hope she answers. Hello. I'm at Miranda. I'm at Miranda McLean's baby shower. Oh, that's nice. Is that the same baby shower that Carrie's at? Oh, Carrie's at a baptism. Never mind. No, I'm in Sarnia. Miranda. Miranda's having a boy. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, can you please tell her mother that I did receive that letter in the end, and thank you very much to all those moms. Oh, I will, and they're all here too. So. Oh. I will. Can you take a minute, like in the corridor, to answer one podcast email? Okay. Take that baby shower. It's just important because it's about a girl who's 25 and she works for AstraZeneca and she's only 25, but she's in a lot of debt because she has a master's degree and she hates it. And she only got into that field because her parents wanted her to, and she wants to be a florist instead. So she's asking, should I stay in the sciences so that I can pay off my debt and it's a good job or should I quit and be a florist? Oh God. All right. Well, her parents are going to hate me, but <laughs> do you want me to um, answer it via email? Or no, like right, speak to it? right now on the phone. Yeah. Okay. At the baby shower. Oh, well, I'll tell you, having done a job I didn't particularly want to do for 42 years, I can say that I do have some regrets, even though I did it so that I could earn a good living. Only you can decide what's most important to you. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to carry a pile of debt. I didn't have that issue, but I had children and a mortgage, and so I stuck with it. But it's also important to follow your heartfelt dreams because when you're 25, you feel like you have forever in front of you. And before you know it, before you know it, you're 61 and you don't have forever and you've run out of options. So you may want to have a long-term plan where you decide to do this for maybe another two or three years, pay down your debt as much as possible with the view to getting out as soon as you possibly can and following your heartfelt dreams. Because you, the human being, are more important than money at the end of the day. And the universe will make sure that you are looked after and then you just live within your means financially they have all these thrifty coaches that can help you pay your mortgage down quickly and stuff so maybe if she just lives like a dog really frugally she can work in sciences for a few more years and pay off the debt exactly but just don't don't stick with it make sure that you have a plan to get out before it's too late because you don't want to be stuck in that forever and ever because your dreams are important but also live within your means. There are people who have dreams, but they're pie in the sky because they go and buy a new car and spend money they really shouldn't. That's not going to work. You need to make those sacrifices to live your dream. Okay. Sorry for disrupting the baby shower. No, I'm just always thrilled to hear from you. Are you kidding? Did Never they, apologize. Did they do a gender reveal with like a blue balloon? No, no. That's nice. Is it her um, first baby? I think she'll be, it's her first. She'll be a wonderful mother. She traveled all over the world and worked for a cruise line, worked her way up to cruise director, met a guy from the UK, married him, and now they're back in Sarnia with a nice house and having a baby. And Sarnia now has the gift of one of the best singers I've ever heard. Yeah. Who's got a master's degree in music and a trained opera singer doing music lessons. So... Lucky Sarnia, again. That's, we do have a very vibrant arts community. I wonder, I don't know why I never thought of this, because Violet's music teacher had triplets, and then obviously her life was ruined. But if Miranda's only having one, maybe she could do Zoom classes with Violet, because Violet's lessons dried up in the pandemic. Um, if the time zones work, she absolutely could, because she's doing Zoom classes for Delilah. Yeah, and did I tell you we gave the horse away? No. Only to Elizabeth, so we can go visit him whenever. And But huh. he's having a blast. He's, okay. like, herding sheep. Yeah. And he's doing all these fun things. Oh, he's happy. He's so, well, and he has the friends. Beautiful, the beautiful stable sign that I had made that got shipped back to me, I'll bring over next time I come. <laughs> and we can bring it to Elizabeth's. That's so weird. It's beautiful. 
Oh, well, look, she can get a new pony that I waste tons of money on and call it Storm. Okay, I will talk to you later. Thanks okay. for calling. Will you tell Miranda I said congratulations? I will. Okay. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. There you go. Advice from TV's Catherine Ryan's mother, Julie McCarthy, of the stage and screen. Because do you know what? When she's not on consulting jobs, she is still following her dreams. My mom's advice comes with a certain darkness where she's like, one day you will be 61 and you'll be out of options and out of time. By the way, your AstraZeneca vaccine made her really fucking sick. So feed that back to headquarters before you quit. Um, But now mom does loads of things. She takes dance classes and she acts in short films and is theater like trained and she goes on auditions and does lots of fun things. So, you know, there is also a way that you can have your cake and eat it too. stay in the sciences. Maybe they have a part time thing. And you can do floristry. Do you know, one of the girls I worked at Hooters with, she's called Cat Rose. K-A-T-R-O-S-E. Maybe it's Catherine Rose now that she's like a fully grown woman and we're not in booty shorts anymore. But anyway, look her up. She is an amazing interior designer and florist. And like, I don't know, maybe you could ask her how she got that ball rolling. She's been at it for a decade, but she's doing loads of... um floral arrangements for television everything she's so successful and so beautiful and i love her online content so there you go good luck you can be a florist don't worry you can do it and you'd be happier Ooh, this one's caught my eye not only because my name is spelled absolutely wacky katherine k-a-t-h-e-r-y-n never seen it spelled that way and i've seen katherine spelled like four different ways so kudos to you not how you spell it but It tells me a lot about you. You're one of those people who has children who have like normal names like Travis, for example, but it's like T-R-A apostrophe like V-E-S. It's it's fine with me, but that's not how you spell my name. I'll take it. Catherine, I stumbled across a woman who may be able to rival Nick Cannon. She transplanted eggs to have 10 babies via surrogate in under a year? Oh my God, what country? That is crazy unethical. She had a daughter previously and then went on a mission with her new wealthy husband to have as many babies as possible. Okay, so this is referring to my last podcast. It talked about Nick Cannon, the rapper and comedian and, I mean, mogul entertainment producer. He had like three kids last month and he's got seven kids total and he's pretty young. But this woman is an absolute revolutionary because I was saying last week, women can't really do that. But look, medical science... And by the way, this is the same medical science that the woman from the vaccine email is like, why doesn't my friend trust medical science? Because there are medical scientists out there doing shit like this, putting 10 of your eggs in 10 surrogates in under a year. (laughs) As she goes on to write, as a mom of four, it seems like a hellish idea. But she had a team of nannies running her show. Here's a link to the news story. I do hope the circuits are being well treated and paid enough. Okay, let's see. Oh, God, it's the sun. All right, well, I'm going to read this anyhow. Here we go. Millionaire mom of 11, addicted to motherhood, vows to have 105 kids, whatever the cost. Christina Ozturk and husband Galip have determined to create the world's largest family. Money's no object, so the millionaire couple are ready to enlist the help of a number of willing surrogates. Okay, super rich couples say they could have 105 babies to create the world's biggest family and will pay surrogates whatever it takes to make this happen. Oh my gosh, I have seen this and I put it out of my mind. So this woman is so young and beautiful looking. I mean, what the hell? She's 23 and she's Russian. She says she's addicted to motherhood. Well, okay, you want to talk about ethics and selfishness. What about these babies? Like they're, they're going to have a mother and a father who have 104 other siblings to look after. And do they really want to be raised by a team of nannies who are paid to look after them in Russia? I don't know. You enter a real weird question of ethics when it comes to how many children you have, because I am Irish. I have lots of properly like Irish raised friends and some of them have like 15, 16 siblings. And, you know, they had a happy ish childhood, but a lot of them are like, look, I'll level with you. It was too many. There was not enough love and attention to go around, but I suppose they didn't have like multimillionaire parents with all these nannies, but I don't know. I don't like it. Am I sexist then? Because I think, 
I've, I know men, like polygamist men, have stretched themselves before and have 105 kids, but then there are like, you know, 70 moms in that equation. Am I rude because I think, oh, there's only one mom? I don't know. I am a bad feminist because my first instinct was I saw her. I'm like, whoa, she's really hot. She's beautiful. Oh, okay. So they haven't decided how many new arrivals there will be, but the army of kids will be well looked after. Their eldest is six. Where do they live? The pair live in Batumi, Georgia, and they're currently exploring further surrogate options. The clinic in Batumi chooses surrogate mothers for us and takes full responsibility for the process. I don't know if I'm saying Batumi right. Batumi? Where the hell is that? Georgia, like the UK, Georgia? Yes. Oh my gosh, they're in the UK. Why are these Russian millionaires living in Georgia? Hang on one second. Is Georgia a tax haven? Ah, Georgia has become a popular tax haven jurisdiction for entrepreneurs, businessmen, digital nomads, and regional investors due to its business-friendly environment, low corporate taxation, friendly immigration policies, and easy residency options. Well, can I live there then? Hang on. Georgia's located in the Caucasus region, straddling the divide between Europe and Asia. It currently offers many businesses and investment opportunities and is quickly becoming a haven for many of Europe's forward-thinking investors. If it's in the UK, I can easily live there. Whoa, 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 whoa. 100 kids? No tax? Hmm. <laughs> I like it. Notice how the son, by the way, centers the woman. They're like, this mother hopes to have 105 kids. Like they hardly even talk about him being also genetically their father. It's like, what is she thinking? This mom's crazy. No surprise there. Oh my God. I got to find out more about Georgia. I'm coming. I'm coming, Georgia. If you want to quit your job at AstraZeneca, pay off your debt, be a florist in Georgia, you won't be taxed. You know, all these emails kind of come together in the end. Oh, what a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate everyone who came to Latitude. I appreciate everyone who is taking steps to like, you know, go out and support live comedy. It was so amazing to feel like things were kind of a little bit the way they were before. So I hope you're all doing okay. And I'll see you next week. If you want to email me in the meantime, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com